What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. Episode 111. That's three ones in a row, Matt. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Good point, Mr. Dittleman. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a it's been a long crazy day over here. Yeah. You've been uh already been on the radio as you were saying. Well, well, before that, I, I guess it started at 4:30 in the morning. Whoa. That's brought early. my folks to the airport. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little morning ride in the dark. Um came back Got a little extra sleep in, which was helpful before uh, before the before the first uh, TV hit. We did the CBS affiliate here, talking about the Animal Foundation stuff, the seven-year anniversary of the show. That'll air Friday. Uh, then hit Sunny 106.5 with AJ and Joanna. They're always really awesome, and they're our partners with the Animal Foundation thing. And then hit uh, the NBC affiliate, News 3LV. <laughs> And I brought my dog Gecko to all of it, so he had a fun day out. Yeah, your new dog Gecko that you adopted yourself, right? <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, let me tell you, it's been it's been really fun. So we're officially underway with mm-hmm. the uh, with the Animal Foundation supply drive. So it's started. So if you're gonna find yourself in Vegas, um, I can tell you officially, like I said last week, do not buy tickets, which is great because I spent seven <laughs> years trying to find ways that weren't tacky, right. telling people to buy tickets to come see me. You know, So it's always a fun time of year when we do the supply drive where I can say, don't go to PetSmart here in Vegas, uh, buy something off the shelf. It goes into a donation box and immediately right on the spot, you'll receive a voucher to come see the show. So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. And uh, I think I mentioned last week we've raised over 20 grand of supplies doing it, and we're looking to increase that. So uh, it's a win-win, and uh, so I've been out talking about that, and mostly people just ignoring me and paying attention to Gecko. <laughs> yeah, having the dog as a distraction is always probably a nice touch <laughs> to really. It's such sell a great it. thing. Yeah. I mean, and then and it just like eliminates. No one's even curious is it, if I'm gonna like do magic or anything. They're all just like immediately infatuated with the dog. In fact, the first set I walked into. Uh, one of the producers said, or or was it the host? Yeah, the host said, um, which side do you want me on? Like pointing to the chairs. Mm-hmm. And I'm so used to it in magic. I immediately thought she was talking to me. She's uh, asking the director. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't even talking to me. Which side do you want me on? And I'm like, oh, I think either side is okay. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're definitely not yeah. asking the guest which side you're supposed to be on. <laughs> I, I'm used to directing people on my stage, right? <laughs> like where well, to no, go. Well, no, even yeah. for these yeah. for these talk shows, oh, like yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. times because people are so sensitive with the magic thing, they're like, "What? Where do I have oh, to right, be? Right, what do right, I have right. to do? Does yeah. it matter if we're standing or sitting?" Like, sure. they're like hype, hyper aware of like that I might care. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just so funny. And I was like, "Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking to me." And clearly, she was asking like the actual boss of who <laughs> decides where who sits where. So right. You know, that all made sense. Well, you got to get Gecko's best angle. Yeah, you got to get Gecko's <laughs> best angle. <laughs> yeah, you got to love it. at the end. They go, do we need any cutaways uh, of the dog? <laughs> <laughs> Should we zoom so. in? Yeah. Is there any bad angles? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So it's been, a, it's been a nice, uh, nice full day of that. Accidentally booked on the day when I'm not performing. I try to keep my days off completely off limits. And you're and, just doing um, press all day, yeah. And and ac- didn't realize I'm off on Wednesdays this month, so booked an entire day of press. There you go. 
There you go, man. So well, well, you're working on days you're not working, so that's fun. And uh, yeah. what are what are good tips? I mean, for people if they ever, I mean, local TV is a lot low pressure than national television. And, sure, you know, uh, but it feels the same in a way. How so? What like you, when what you're do you doing think? it. Yeah, like yeah. other than maybe if you have some sort of like pressure that you're putting on yourself because you know the amount of eyeballs or whatever sure. that are going to be on it. But like to be honest with you. Um, like walking through a studio, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's in your local town or in um, New York or Los Angeles where it might get broadcasted to many more eyeballs, it feels very much the same many times. Right. Yeah. The, I mean, a um, lot of the studio setups are using similar equipment and like you get the whole vibe and everything like that. And the set design feels the same from, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. using the same materials and they have right. the same crew positions and that sort of thing. Now, how do you, when you have like a talking point where you're obviously promoting this uh, pet drive, like yeah. how do you keep it fresh so you're not just repeating over and over again? I mean, obviously you got to hit the same info part, but like mm. you're doing three things in a row. I mean, that's not nothing compared to like the press junkets that, you know, celebrities have to do for like, you know, if a movie comes out and they're just oh, in a, God, in can a you imagine? chair, you know, for all day get, getting asked the same questions. So, I mean, this is a, on a much, much smaller scale than that. But uh, but do you have strategies? So I've, I've actually fresh? done that. So yeah. if you've seen where they put an actor in a chair and he just sits in one place oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like and they broadcast the interview like over and over to different affiliates. Like it's almost like a zoom thing before zoom was what it is. Right. Um, I did have to do that for the special where right. I was like yeah. hitting local markets all over mm -hmm. from one place as well as national. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly think the more you do it, the easier it gets. And I never know like what the host is going to like ask or how they're going to phrase it. Like I really walked in with very little information. I didn't know how long each hit was even. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I had no idea if we were doing three minutes or seven mm -hmm. minutes or, mm -hmm. you know, I had no clue. And I just kind of went in and um, handled it like, like I would handle any conversation. Right. <laughs> really. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, like having the dog on my lap made it easier. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's those therapeutic uh, elements to having a pet, you know. It, you it did. It, have... just, it took all the pressure away, I felt like. What is the term on the plane? You have the like the the emotional support dogs or animals like you literally had one on your lap. Yeah. Um, I think it's just to have fun with it. The more comfortable you get with it, the more you do it. Yeah. And I found, too, that like. Because I don't watch a lot of like daytime news programs locally or otherwise even. But like whenever I do and I see someone like, you know, I know I mentioned him a bunch of times in the past, but like Donny Osmond, for mm -hmm. example, he was on one of the, the Vegas shows recently and um, I, I tuned in to watch it. And uh, he just owns the entire room. Like it right. really like it's inspiring to see like how it's handled by someone who's really just done it for, um, you know, not a million years, but it w seems like a million years of experience, you know. Um, so like you can learn from watching and then also learn from actually doing it. But I think it's like the combination of both. And even just seeing how talented like the hosts are in some right. case, like, um, Crystal at this and news three, and I've done a bunch of things with her over the years because she's been there for, uh, at least since I remember coming to Vegas, like you can just be in full conversation. She's petting the dog, holding the dog. We're giving him treats. And like the producer's yelling 20 seconds. And like, there's right. no, there's no fear that, oh my God, I might not be ready in time <laughs> in her eyes. None of that because it's just what they do all day. So like seeing them being comfortable and knowing what they're doing, it, it helps too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just being present, right? Too. It's yes. like just being in the moment and knowing, and then it's, 
then it's going to feel fresh, even if you have to hit the same bullet points over and over again. Yeah, and, and, and everyone gives it their own spin, you know? Like, when you do the radio show, they do a lot of fun topics, and I'll throw some of these at you here because, like, oh, okay. you, it really is hard to think of some of these on the spot. So, like, it's yeah. a fun lifestyle show, uh, Sunny 106.5, AJ and Joanna. And everybody listens to it here in Vegas. Like, if you listen to podcasts and you're in Vegas, you will hear ads for it. Oh, it's like iHeart Media, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so one of the things was... I guess apparently Vegas is one of the cities that's like would be most at risk, supposedly, if there was a zombie apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Now, I immediately have questions like, okay, why? There's a (laughs) lot of movies that take place in Vegas that are like zombie movies. And the question was, and and I I don't even remember what I said. I'm going to ask you, how ready are you (laughs) if there were to be a zombie apocalypse? What do you say to that? How ready am I? Yeah, on a scale of one to whatever. Not ready? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said, actually. (laughs) Some variation of that. Yeah. Like, I don't have, like, supplies stocked away, and I'm not good with a weapon to defend myself. Like, Right. I will try and find the most, like, prepped human nearby and latch onto them for safety i think <laughs> right right yeah so that's that's bizarre <laughs> and i'll and i'll hit you with another one too and this was so funny because um tiana was there uh on the uh on the press junket with me and she happened to be sitting at the at the radio desk and like neither of us really noticed where she was sitting there was also a microphone oh funny. so when i looked over to her and like this was this was pre-taped so like if i shout something out they, they can they can edit if they mm-hmm. need to but i i like looked over to her to ask her a question and they immediately just involved her in the conversation because there was a microphone already oh, there so, so they funny. just flicked it on yeah. so now all of a sudden she's on the air right <laughs> which you know uh wasn't expected but she's really yeah she's actually quite good at so anyway um she got asked this question too this is a fun one um it was about silently judging people oh which i know you do oh, don't we all so, yes. Right. So like, <laughs> but if I were to ask you mm-hmm. an example of like, and I can give you the ones they said of silently judging people, what would be like an example of a time you know that you do that? Uh, the only thing that comes to mind most recently, and it's all changed now with the different mask mandates and stuff. But when people weren't wearing masks, you know, you're oh, judging, right? See, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just being like, well, you know, you're not following. What the CDC says, right? But, uh, right. Now it's, I, I found who knows what they're even saying. <laughs> so it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I found it really difficult to cut because, like, the one Joanna gave was so endearing. It mm. was like when people are mean to their pets, and like she, oh sure, <laughs> like she'll like literally talk about how she'll speak up. She won't be silent about it. Right. And I was like, well, right. that's tough to have an answer better than that. And then Tiana chimes in with. Um, when she sees someone driving a pickup truck with a dog in the back, because that's like dangerous because they could, right. you know, the roads are dangerous or they could see a dog and jump out or fall out or like, you know. So I was like, those are such hard answers to follow up with, <laughs> to like to fo- to follow. And the only things that came to mind, and this is funny because this happened to me mm-hmm. last night or the night before, I walk out on stage and um, a few minutes into the show, I see... It's hard to see exactly what I'm looking at, but I see like a little pile on the foot of the stage there, like right on the edge, the downstage edge. And I'm like, what is that? So I walk over to it and I still don't really know exactly what I'm looking at. So I kind of like normally if that happens, it's playing cards or something. But this is right in the beginning of the show. So I know it's not that. And I'm like, it's almost like a reaction. I'll just kick them off the stage. 
Sure, yeah, But, yeah. like, as I, like, have this knee-jerk reaction to just, like, kick whatever it is off, um, and it could be a piece of a streamer, it could be anything, it happens all the time, um, I go to, like, kick it, and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't something of mine to kick. This audience member in the front row has decided to put their belongings on the stage. Oh, jeez, yeah. I'm like, I, what is going on? And, I, like, I, like I go to kick it, and I'm and like, oh, wallet? wait a minute. Is that what it yeah. is? Like, phone No, and- it was, like... It was like, you know, when like photographers come around to take photos of you at like certain restaurants. Yeah. I guess they were like at a restaurant that had a photographer and this guy had got the photo and the little booklet that it comes in and just put it on the stage when he came into the show. It's just his shelf, his coffee table. He's using your stage. (laughs) That's like worse than putting your feet up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was like, sir, what, what, what's going on here? He's like, I didn't want to lose them. I was like, you don't get out to the theater much, do you? <laughs> and he actually goes, actually, well, it's my second time at this one. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Um, but anyway, it turned into a super funny bit. That's funny. Um, because he had all sorts of behaviors that were, like, mm-hmm. not kosher with, like, theater etiquette, which made made for a really hilarious show. And, like, it was kind of endearing because he, you know, clearly enjoyed himself. He had come back a second time. But, um, oh, so funny. Just, like, putting stuff on the photos of himself yeah. on the stage, <laughs> you know? It, I think it's just anywhere where there's, like, normal etiquette, like a theater. I was just going to say, like, I think I silently judge people all the time just on the subway, right? <laughs> when they're right, not, you right, know, right. Just take a trip to New York and go on the subway just to see people, like, you know, taking up more the seats than they should and all this other right, stuff. Right, but even something yeah. like that, I f- I'd feel like such a jerk giving that answer after mm-hmm. everyone else in the room just talked about people being mean to animals. The, the dogs, yeah. <laughs> <Right>? like, <laughs> It's like, uh, yeah, when people take up two seats at the subway. Or, and they were know. also tying it into your you know, pet drive. You were there. To- <laughs> right, which yeah. was like kind of coincidental. I don't know. Sure. Or maybe that's what yeah. sparked the inspiration. But anyway, yeah. And a- here I am criticizing people who, uh, you know, are fans. <laughs> what, about, what about magic acts, though? I mean, like, we obviously have opinions when you see another magic act performed. Do you ever see Oh, silent judge? judging like yeah. that? Well, you and I do that out loud to each other. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We'll, we'll share our thoughts with each other, you know. But, uh, you know, we always try to look for the good. I no, think, we uh, always do. That's why I say it jokingly. Yeah, yeah. That's why I say it jokingly, because... Uh, yeah, who who appreciates a good magic act more than us? Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, did you catch? Uh, since I caught up on AGT last week, uh, we I don't know the results because we're recording early. But last night uh, on AGT, Yuho Jin performed. Did you catch him? I did, and I have to say, because I I, mm-hmm. I tweeted the performance because I, okay, I cool. really really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but I was also like motivated to tweet it because. And I'm not sure if this was like the official AGT account or, you know, how they have a few, like they have AGT auditions, AGT live. It was one right, of the AGTs right, right. that like, and the, 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 the caption was, how does he do it? Or something really generic sure. that made me feel like whoever typed this didn't watch the act all like they were told <laughs> this person's a magician right. and they came up with that caption and then posted it. So like, I literally had to share it like a quote retweet and say something to the effect of like, how doesn't matter. This is beautiful. Right. And which was interesting. Well, I'll, I'll describe it for those of you who missed it, uh, but definitely check out the, the clip. Um, he's talking, uh, Yuho Jin comes out and he's talking about uh, imagination. And then how many changes does he do right away? Like he takes uh, a yellow card that says imagination and then it becomes like 
50 different objects all at once <laughs> like so fast the changes in between them uh, yeah I, oh god i mean it was so interesting too because he does this like visual change to a watch which like mm. we're a little bit especially like magicians anyway not not i don't think the general public necessarily and i think uh, we've like, talked about that one specifically here on our podcast. yeah like we're yeah, a little yeah. bit over you know what i'm gonna say we're a little bit overexposed and he did it differently and whatnot but like before it even registered yeah oh that's the watch thing or a variation on it which was really really quite nice and it is a beautiful design as is right um it immediately like changed into a paintbrush or something i mean it was just i know it was so fast there was like 20 changes all at once and you're just even (laughs) trying to keep track of all it's like oh now it's a balloon now it's a car now it's a bigger car now it's like paint from the paintbrush i mean it was so crazy Uh, and, then, and I had never seen that act before. No, I don't know if you had. I didn't no. either. Uh, so, I mean, he's obviously still, you know, as a past FISM winner, uh, yeah. still developing and coming up with crazy magic. And, I uh, sure hope people appreciate yeah. it because it was amazing. And I know only like two acts go through nowadays. So hopefully, I th- feel like I didn't see the other acts. I feel like he's got to be one yeah. of them. Or- should be one be of them strong enough yeah I, I i was pretty blown away uh to say the least and yeah it was like i was like oh really like the the, mm-hmm. the, the caption was how does he do it i was like Ugh. yeah and he don't had, you agree he had pictures that vanished and then he changed the word imagination and even like moved the letters on the printed card which was fantastic now this ties into what i wanted to bring up was because i don't know if you cut the judges comments because some of the clips end before the judges comments but i happened to see no i didn't get to see the comments i hope they were positive they were all positive uh but there's one from howie that i thought was really interesting but like you know heidi was like i was hypnotized by you (laughs) you know or like and howie clarified it was like you were mesmerized (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) and and what was good was simon changed his mind about uh you know his he's like his first first act simon said he wasn't as impressed but he was right claiming credit that this one was much better because he pushed him to go further as a magician oh, <laughs> that he there said you go. he publicly said he was an idiot so so that's kind of funny but how he said and this is what i want to get your thoughts on he goes uh two words come to mind and they don't normally go together magic and beauty and i was like Howie, you've seen a lot of magic. You know magic can be beautiful. Like those, Framing it like that is very strange. To, that I don't know. Do most people not think magic as something that can be beautiful? or is it They just, don't, based on uh, yeah. clear evidence from the, the from, social media caption. Exactly. Just how did, how did he do that? So I think I'm agreeing with your point is like it doesn't matter as long as like, you know, obviously it people were getting goosebumps watching that so and we've talked about this before too there are some instances where magic is presented in a really trivial way which is Mm -hmm. fine like there's a Mm -hmm. place for that too you know instagram and tiktok and and, (laughs) and sometimes other uh, other arenas as well and that's fine but like this was definitely a prime example of not that right exactly so yeah no i i actually it's funny because i kind of uh, understand i like i agree with what howie was saying because I don't think the general public associates magic and beauty, even though like Howie has certainly, most certainly seen examples of it. Um, it's not the most common, those aren't the two most commonly correlated words for sure. 
Yeah, I think hopefully it's changed. That that uh, spectrum has changed more towards beautiful over the years as magic has become more popular. More people are seem to be into it in the past. Different types decade. too, because like some people aren't doing magic with the intention of it being beautiful too. That's true, and we've talked about that as an artist, right? You know, if mm-hmm. you don't treat yourself as an artist, then you're not going to put out art. So if you don't think no, of musical, n- right? But I mean, yeah. like you know, you or, I don't know an example. Amazing Jonathan, Dana Daniels. Sure, I mean, yeah, there are yeah, a lot yeah. of great great artists that are presenting magic not with the intention of beauty in the traditional sense whereas sure yuho jins is beauty in the traditional sense exactly and i I was gonna say i'm hoping that needle has shifted a bunch because like i remember a time growing up when people would say like magic and the first thing they would think of is like birthday party magician right which is nothing wrong to those who do that but like (laughs) That's yeah. the first image that was conjured, but I think, no pun intended, but I think uh, nowadays, I think people, when you say magic, there's a different kind of image in mind as the first go-to. What is the image now? Like, is the image like um, like a, a kid on a beach uh, on social media? Like, <laughs> is it? Like, what is the image? I don't know. No, I think it's more maybe towards a just even like, you know, magic on AGT or like. Well, I'm sure that plays popular. a role. I mean, obviously, Blaine and his specials changed what people think of magic. In terms but it's of shifted the, since then, even. The street style, yeah. But I think maybe it's just, you know, Vegas. and like It's the some people, combination of all those things, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's less defined as just the go-to stereotype anymore. Right, which is a good, good thing. Because, yeah. it, I, I mean, in our lifetime, it wasn't like you say the word musician and you automatically a picture a country artist or whatever. Right, yeah. Exactly. Or like only a rapper or whatever, like. You need to ask more questions to determine what kind of music are they playing the piano? Like what instrument? Is it a band? What style of music? What's and people do ask that now. Yeah. They're, I think people are asking magicians what type of, what style do they do? You and know? I, I think that's a step in the right direction because, you know, I never wanted to be someone who was just like categorized as like, we just need someone to fill that, you know, niche, uh, whatever it needs to be. But now people can be specific. I want this specific style. I want mentalism versus magic or magic versus mentalism or whatever it is. Well, or uh, even style, not even what you're doing, but style of like, I want a comedic performer. I want an illusionist. I think, and uh, and even like, I want an old school type of performer. I want a new, fresh, young, modern. I think people are kind of excited and specifying now. Totally agree. Um, if I were to say to you and feel, you know, feel free to disagree. Uh, I, I kind of think all mentalists are magicians, but not all magicians are mentalists. Say that Agree one more disagree. time. Say that again. Well, I think all yeah. mentalists are magicians, but not all magicians are mentalists. But let me define why uh, before you before you uh, go against it. Because mm. I, I consider mentalism a subcategory of magic. Therefore, if you're a mentalist, you fall under the blanket of magician, even though you don't call yourself a magician because you're a specialist under the blanket of magic. But like not all magicians are mentalists because they don't necessarily specialize in that. Yeah, I, I think I see what you're saying with like, uh, you know, a square is a rectangle, but not all rectangles are squares. I could see why you wouldn't want to portray that to mm-hmm. like lay people because then they associate you just, oh, he's a magician, which is not quite accurate enough. Exactly. It, yeah. It's not I, a narrow enough focus to define what you do. I think that is. Yeah, I think that is, I think it's all again what 
is evoked from the word magician. And people uh-huh. think... That's why you want to avoid it. I think there's, you know, sleight of hand comes up automatically when, when a lot of times that's not, you know, what mentalists are doing. And uh, and it is it's kind of like um, exactly what you're saying. There is this portrayal of the character of a mentalist that you want the audience to kind of buy in, and it's more walking the line. But, but I always say ethically on the right side of the line, which right, I think right. is a point, important. But there well, are people that, you know, want to believe in mind reading as real. And there's people that want to believe in magic as real. But I think it's less so. And I think there is that ambiguity can kind of help with the performance of mentalism. So this all comes down to one thing, whether or not you mm-hmm. or anyone, but I am asking you, do you consider mentalism a subcategory of magic? And the reason I ask is because you could say the same for sleight of hand. Right. All sleight of hand artists are magicians, but not all magicians sure, are sure, sleight sure, of hand sure. artists. And illusionists, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right? So do you consider it a subcategory? I think it depends on what you bring into it else from outside. I mean, there's uh, definitely... See that vague answer? See there's that? definitely psychological techniques that I'm using that I didn't learn from traditional, quote, magic books, but... You sure. Know, it is. I mean, it's always been, you know, I got into mentalism by, you know, studying the other mentalists that, uh, you know, I found in other magic books and so forth. So... Uh, uh, you heard it here, folks. He's going to tiptoe around the line. <laughs> exactly. Which is fine. Which exactly, is fair. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. But yeah, I mean, but it does come down to marketing mostly, right? <laughs> <laughs> of how you're trying to represent and what you're selling as a product. How artistic. It's like saying, you know, is an iPhone... Th- just the computer you know <laughs> like yeah 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 you know there's many different facets to it you know absolutely so, anyway that's my thoughts on that uh thank um, you for the thoughts let's jump into the uh next segment here uh yeah oh yeah do you want to jump right into riddles i would love to okay let's jump into diddle me this diddle me this diddle me that will eric end up stumping matt riddles all right, this one's a little long and more of a lateral thinking puzzle, but I, I think it falls in the riddle category. I immediately feel bad for giving you an easy one today. Okay, here we go. No, I think it's still pretty – I think you'll like it. Okay. Okay. A candy shop was advertising boxes of chocolates for sale. Two men entered the shop. The first put $10 on the counter and asked for a box of chocolates. Now, the cashier asked which of the three flavors available he would prefer, salted caramel, coconut cream, or cherry cordial. The man chose cherry cordials. The second man also put $10 on the counter and asked for a box of chocolates. The cashier, without uttering a word, simply gave the man a box of cherry cordials. How did he know that this was what the man wanted? So speaking of mind reading, the cashier did a little mind reading and knew the second man wanted that box of cherry cordials. How? Process of elimination. How so? Explain yourself. Um, well, I don't know the actual like <laughs> formal definition of that phrase, but you know that's b- basically the answer, right? Even though I haven't put any thought into this, that is ultimately going to be the answer, isn't well, it? Well, how is it elimination when he got the same thing as the first guy? Is that all they offered? No, they have three choices. Okay. Of flavors. Okay. The first guy put down ten dollars. Yep. And he got the box. Any. The cashier asked him which of okay, the three he wanted. Okay, I got it. Wanted, I got it. I got and he it. gave him the cherry cordials. And then yes. the second guy put down yes. $10 and automatically okay. gave him the cherry cordials. Okay. Because, yeah. are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. 
because the other two options costed more than $10. Ooh, but then why would the first guy get asked which of the three he wanted? Because he hadn't put the money down yet? No, he put down $10 and said, give me a box of chocolates. He, he and he goes, which one do you want? Yeah. And they asked him which one he wants? Yeah, for the first guy. And then the second guy... Also put down $10, but just got the cherry cordials. But he didn't say, I'll take the same thing? Correct. He didn't say anything. He said nothing at all. And the cashier said nothing without even asking him. Just gave so him the cherry cordials. the guy puts down the $10 and received the same chocolate. Correct. And just to clarify, whatever you're calling it, cherry something, that's totally irrelevant, right? Correct. Yeah, it's just okay. a type of chocolate. Okay. <laughs> we I just want to make sure it's not some sort of wordplay with that because I can't really tell what... We could substitute, uh, you know, apples, oranges, and bananas. Okay, for this, gotcha. For this riddle to work, huh. you know, it would be weird if those sure were at a chocolate to... place, but still. <laughs> I thought for sure it had to do with the price. It is. You're close on the price, but it's not more expensive. So oh, it's... the hint I was going to give you right away was that there's three, and I don't know if this still spoils the riddle because I feel like this could have been included in the riddle and it still would have been good. Let's say the um, the salted caramel were. Eight dollars, the coconut cream, or nine dollars, and the cherry cordial, or ten dollars. Well, so they're, I don't so know, they're actually it, less. They're less. The other two were less. So you were on the right when they track. walked in. When they walked in, the cashier told them they don't have any change. No, no, he no, didn't no, do that. No, um, because the other two weren't in stock. Because he still would have. No, there. He asked him which of the three he wanted. Oh, so the first um, guy had the choice. Ah, are you stumped? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so imagine you go into a store. There's three I items there, and you pay with a ten dollar bill. Okay. You get asked, do you want the one that costs ten dollars, the one that costs nine dollars, or the one that costs eight dollars? The choice mm -hmm. is yours because you know. You, he doesn't know which one you're wa wanting, right? Right. Because you gave him a ten dollar bill, mm -hmm. so he knows he could give you change or could take the whole or, thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, what if the other guy didn't put down a $10 bill, but still oh. paid $10? <laughs> yeah, he put down the exact amount, but in smaller bills, so you knew that's the one he wanted. So exactly. the other ones had to be cheaper. Yeah, so if yeah, he okay. knew that he put, if he put down a $5 bill and five ones, he could have right. put down three or four ones, and he would have known right. exactly. He had exact okay. change. So he looked at that change and knew he wanted the $10 box. <laughs> Right. That's a good one. You got it. I like me. it. I like it. So you get this. <laughs> but uh, I do enjoy that riddle. Let's jump over to trivia. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready. Time to use his wit. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Trivia, pressure, trivia time. What sport has been played on the moon? Mm, there's one image that comes to mind, uh, and I believe it can be a solo sport of sorts. <laughs> I don't want you to give me clues or multiple choice, because I believe I've seen a picture of an astronaut with a golf club. <laughs> is it golf? It is golf. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I well think that's done, a sir. famous image. I don't know how far that ball went out into space. Um, is it still in space? I have no idea. I don't have any background on this one. <laughs> so, fantastic. Uh, let's switch gears. I uh, did some shows this week. I was at Speakeasy, and then I uh, first time I've been back at Monday Night Magic 
since the pandemic, and it was a really fun show. I had a lot of people come out to that. It was a sold-out house. Let uh, me back up to Speakeasy for a second. Sure. I've seen some of the photos, and we talked about this a mm-hmm. little bit. And, like, it really does look like a special thing, like we talked about. But it's very much a close-up show, which is really cool. But, like, is. Are, you yes. a, are you a close-up magician now? Uh, I'm a close-up mentalist. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> um, enough. I'll, 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 that's a more accurate answer. I have a, um, um, I have a set. Yeah, I worked on – we've even talked about it in the past as I was, you know, getting involved in the show. Right. When it was coming back up is, like, really defining what that close-up set is. But, yeah, I'm sitting at a table surrounded by 12 I see people. It. And yeah. Yeah. No, I see it. And, like, it, it's really neat. And, like, I obviously you've done plenty of close-up in the past, but it's not mm-hmm. like you were, you know t- – doing restaurants or anything like that right right so i mean is this something you're enjoying like it looks like a really fun thing to do i know that close-up magic is a lot of fun um my passion for it you know was renewed several years ago so like how comfortable are you with it now and like do you love it do you want to do more of it or are you kind of like i just do it there for the most part and i'm not anxious to do other close-up sets or what well, it came out of a combination of things I was already doing in, like, the booth for, like, you know, some of these conferences I go to. Yeah, I get that. everything like that. But this but, is different. But I really enjoy performing there. And, like, my set is real strong, I will say. Uh, so I'm How having fun. How long is the set again? 12 minutes. Wow. It's like a tight 12? Yeah. Uh, give or take. You get a little mm-hmm. leeway. But, okay. um, but the just having that, you know, close, intimate reaction, it's kind of like performing one-on-one, right? But having a audience and i try to use most of the table you know to get everyone involved in my set but i am you know just when you have someone sit down and especially breaking up between all the different like card tricks that they see of something that i don't touch cards at all and i just sit down and read their minds and it's like people react real strong and i'm having a blast doing it and just kind of interacting and you never know what's going to happen with people are going to you know, say and do, and you know, that's, that's lets my improv shine a bit as well. Uh, yep. and then, yeah. And just do, I'm just feel real solid doing my, my show there and having a good time. How many times do you get to do it on the night? Uh, you perform for five tables. There's a little oh. bit of secrecy. We're not supposed to be telling. Okay. Okay. I mean, this is a closed knit, uh, podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we trust everyone here, but there is like, you know, at the end of the show, they're like, you didn't know what to expect when you come to the show. So keep the secret and don't tell anyone. And they have some jokes about that, but, uh, yeah, because some people come in and they're just expecting a stage show like any other show. Oh, they don't know exactly what they're getting. And then, well, you boom, have some, yeah. there's a spotlight right. at your table after the opening act, and then your magic's at your table, and it just happens there. And, you know, different magicians roll around, and uh, we have a little rotation to make sure that we, we know where we're going. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, you know, we had talked about it a bunch, but seeing the images from it really painted the picture uh, mm-hmm. you know, quite literally, and I was like, yeah, it's just such a uh, – I've never actually seen you do a close-up set like that, just, like, seated and surrounded. Yeah. And, like, it really is its own thing. It's like the old L&L publishing magic videos almost. Yeah. and some, It's like the dream the... gig that no one has. <laughs> and some of the people stand. Some of the performers, like, at different points in their set stand if they need to. Sure, and yeah. Make it and more do of a parlor. any of the audience stand around you, or they're all seated always? They're all seated, yeah, the okay, whole time. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha, um, gotcha. And it's it's a lot of fun. And then I, I was just curious. If, uh, we're going to have to get you out here to see the show sometime. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. And then um, – and maybe, maybe, maybe you could take a week off Vegas. We'll get you in as a guest. 
I can, I can do. Can I do a set the night that I'm there? I'll just pop in over to one of the tables. I'm saying like this, like I have any say in the, in the <laughs> scheduling at all. Like like not. it's your production. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just a cast member, a part of you know this amazing project that uh, you know Todd Robbins put together with uh, awesome. the folks at the McKittrick. So, <laughs> uh, so defer to Todd if you have questions. But I'm I'm sure that would be a that would be an event. Uh, and then I was over at Monday Magic and uh, got to do my stage show and uh, a lot of people showed up, like I said, uh, friends in the audience. And uh, I don't know, I was just having fun and I had some real fun improv moments with <laughs> the audience members. Uh, Cause you have to, we always talked about calling the elephant in the room and that show can tend to go long. So I used, uh, you know, the, the phrase, it is the longest running magic show in New York, right? right? And that's not just the history, that's each individual runtime. <laughs> so yeah, right. <laughs> We also had a, I also had a lady whose Halloween costume mat, which I didn't even know how I was going to approach this once I figured out what she was thinking. But she was thinking her Halloween costume was Hurricane Katrina, which is like, whoo, how do you tackle a big disaster that affected a lot of people's lives in a fun and comical way? Right. Like, right. So I sort of addressed her and, uh, you know, was basically trying to get as much as I could of the description of the costume and describe it before I was like, did you really? I was like, I really hope I got this right. Cause if I'm wrong, I'm really wrong. And then everyone saw it was right. And like, she was trying to talk and give details on it. It was just a weird interaction. And as I sent her back to her seat, I was just like, this whole interaction kind of felt like a natural disaster. <laughs> so, uh, did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> so there was some fun moments and I'm just having fun, uh, you know, improvising on stage and like feeling, you know, that you know, my show's been pretty set. Uh, the, the ones that I do, you know, here and there uh, as I'm still developing and working, always working on new stuff. But to have that comfortability to improvise in the moment is so key. Dude, I had a show run 12 minutes longer than like our normal runtime just just because the audience was along for the ride and there were so many crazy things happening. I felt like this is off the rails, but like they were there with me, so it was yeah. cool. Um <laughs> and you know, there's always variance in the runtime, but it was like mm-hmm. literally over 10 minutes longer than normal, but it, it, you know, it was all good and fun. It was the same night that the guy put stuff on stage. <laughs> so, so you were just uh 12 extra minutes of you kicking things off the stage. Yeah, I don't I don't even know how what it was just one thing after the next of just like funny, strange occurrences that like, again, needed to be called out, needed to be pointed out. So it was just it was a really, really fun night. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, Reinvented nightly, as they say. (laughs) As they say. (laughs) The runtime, too. Um, So uh, the other really interesting magic like theory I got this weekend was uh, I was helping a friend um, trying to get some some books to a friend that were out of print. And I reached out to the author and the author's like, sorry, these are out of print for a reason. But uh, the kindness of you offering to, uh, you know, donate as a gift. uh, Let me get the two of you on a Zoom call and let's just chat about what's in the book. So I got a uh, very kind of uh, uh, Pittsburgh mentalist, um, uh, Rick Ma, who went over uh, all these ideas and theory about performance and how they involve seances and uh, this type of spooky magic uh, was an amazing, like he did like three hours with us just Whoa. chatting on Zoom. And I have, you know, notes and notes. And I'm not one that will get into seances myself, 
uh, per se, but I like, you know, learning about different aspects of magic and seeing what I can pull and might use. And uh, he made a great point of like, yeah, he's like, uh, your style like, doesn't necessarily like, you know, wouldn't think seances is like, but as an artist, you know, pushing yourself out of those boundaries that we form for ourselves, it might be something interesting. And, you know, I was doing it more from a director standpoint because I do get asked to help a lot of acts, you know, kind of workshop things. So I was just like, mo the more I know, the more tools I have to uh, to be able to, you know, refine what the, the person I'm working with uh, can do so it was amazing <laughs> like he talked he really like for the whole first hour talked about like more like character and theory and i mean i don't want to give a, much away because i know he's going to be also um doing it in the future as a workshop where you can pay uh right to right do it but i so i don't want to get through uh spoil much of it but it, but we talked about like savoring the moment and how rare that is now and how everyone's on their phone and the difference between just being entertaining and engaging and he's like i don't want to entertain people i want to engage people because if you engage people entertainment kind of comes along for the ride and, right uh, <laughs> if people well, you hit engaged, on an interesting topic there too mm -hmm. when you were talking about seances not necessarily like fitting that wouldn't be the first thematic influence that would like come to mind for a performer like you right yes and I run into this as well, and um, I think uh, I think all performers must, whether you're a songwriter or a mentalist or a magician, whatever. Like, um, if you're kind of established yourself as doing a certain type of thing, it's there's a fine line between like being able to stretch outside of that and like it feeling off, for the lack of a better word, brand. Right. Yeah. Like. For me, if I were doing things with like apparatus, which I do some apparatus magic, but like there's a careful line of like what feels, you know, what is going to feel like it belongs in my show and what isn't. Even like, even though I might, you know, have, I'm showing you a, a sketch that I made uh, <laughs> of, of like an apparatus magic idea. And it's like, for those of you who can't see it, it's Matt on the top of a skyscraper and he's parachuting off. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like it, it is hard because like sometimes you can dream up an idea and then go at the end of it, go, but does it fit me? Sure. Yeah. Right. So like you ever have that? Well, I've created material that I know wasn't going to fit me and I've given it to people that I think is, right. you know, <laughs> that's more right. suitable for. So, right, right. Um, yeah, I definitely know what that's like. But yeah, I think if we're kind of continuing, like I said earlier, like my show was kind of set that I've been doing at Monday Magic and even some of my colleges, but I'm always trying to adapt and change it so that I can plug new pieces in and I want right. to evolve as an artist and as a creator and just even styles of personality and presentations. I'm always looking for different angles. So, cause if I think if we just stay stagnant, you know, things can get, you know, boring and tiresome for you as the performer, which then gets conveyed to the audience as well. Um, so yeah, do you think it, do you think it matters if it's done gradually versus abruptly? Like, you know, I'm sure there are instances where like a rapper goes and put out a country album and like, it's really abrupt and no one expected it. I think maybe even T-Pain did something like that. Um, like, does it matter? Does it need to be like, there's always going to be criticism, right? There's always going to yeah, be someone who so. goes, oh, that was out of character or, or something. Right. So how do you do it? correctly are you supposed to do it gradually are you supposed to just break the rules and do whatever you want what are what do you think um and just to clarify i don't plan on doing a seance anytime soon but uh, or a yeah. country album yeah or a country album or rapping for that matter <laughs> but, but 
uh, to your point, I think it's probably easier if you're doing it gradually. Uh, yeah. But my initial thought on all of this is it doesn't matter what the criticism is as long as the final product is something that people are you know enjoying. So you're it, yeah, hmm, interesting. You know, you're gonna have this, you know, shift no matter what, whether it's a big shift or a small shift, and but as long as your output is, you know, enjoyed, then you're gonna find the people that flock to it because it resonates with them. Yeah, I wonder if it matters whether or not people enjoy it versus whether or not it's true to you, because like, and we've seen examples like this with movies and TV shows, or probably even songs in some cases where like it really didn't hit at the time but for some reason it resonates years later and becomes gains like a cult following later on like Mm -hmm. even decades later in some cases and this also ties into another element of what rick was saying in our workshop was like is who's art for is art for the artist he's like sometimes he's like i defy that it's for the audience you know he's almost saying i don't want to put words in his mouth but that's what i got from it was he was saying like it doesn't matter what the audience takes on it. It's like you're doing this for you know the art's sake almost, right? So yeah, it's such a that's a such a weird one too because like I I do listen to the audience and I do consider them um, as a guide to like how to improve things and make them better. But at the same time, I don't disagree with that sentiment that you just said either. Right, and if you're just thinking like we're providing a moment for the audience to have something where they shared experience, then that's all that it needs to be really, you know, in essence. And he was talking about, like I was saying, savoring that, you know, the, the moment and like not being on your phones and distracted because you know, you're with people and, but to experience things at the same time, it's the difference between, you know, TV where it used to be all appointment television, where if you miss something, you missed it. And, uh, you know, if you didn't VCR it right mm-hmm, back in the mm-hmm, day, uh, mm-hmm. then you had to, you felt like you missed out. So you were, you made the chance to be there now with like all the streaming services that we're on. It's like people are on watching different shows and we're not having a communal experience unless it's in a theater like this, you know, or a presentation right. or a performance. We're all ex- literally experiencing the exact same thing at the exact same time. Even from show to show, there's going to be ch- changes and nuances that aren't the same from one audience to another. So, you know, there's this ephemeral nature to live theater that, uh, you know, I relate to from improv where every improv scene you do, you're not going to do it again <laughs> unless you write it right. down as a sketch. Uh, but right, I mean, it right, yeah. used to be, you know, it's, it's supposed to be, you know, tissue paper to be, you know, thrown away when it's done. Yeah, I found that interesting. Yeah, for sure. I've got one more other point that I wanted to bring up that I I'm constantly thinking about when I'm, you know, creating, you know, this new shows that I'm working on is um, a lot of times he was talking about that, like the magic itself as shows are designed become like the the pedestals. And then people focus on the transitions in between as bridge material. But he's like, this really should when we're creating art be the opposite way where find out what you want to say, figure out what points and make those the pedestals and then use the magic as the bridge connecting them and seeing what magic illustrates the point or whatever point of view you're trying to uh, uh, demonstrate for the audience. And I just like that visual of these pedestals and bridges, but redefining on what, what's what in a show. Yeah, like go with the message first and fill in the blanks from there, kind of. Yeah, or you're choosing them. It's it's more focused on what material you're choosing, 
because mm-hmm. it's now pointed towards what you're trying to say right. as opposed to that opposite of I bought the trick and I need to figure out I like it the presentation the yeah and then what's the presentation gonna be right and how right. do I then transition from that one to this other separate trick that doesn't make sense you know together right. so we gotta smooth over that you know transition right. so that the audience isn't like oh we're shifting gears suddenly right uh, as opposed to if you have you know, if you could just go on stage and speak and say your point of view without even doing magic, you're mm-hmm. ahead of the game because now you're just using magic to illustrate your point yeah. of view. Yeah, I I think, you know, being able to flex both of those muscles, in other words, being able to create either way to take a piece of magic and build a presentation around it, because sometimes that's the way it works, I find, and or to be able to have your message or POV that you want to convey and finding a way to convey that through magic, I think being able to do it both ways is super helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to to pull out the toolbox when you need the certain tool to use it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's where experience comes into the game, I guess. So I'll recommend, I don't know when Rick is doing it. I think he's posted on his Facebook page. If you're, if you're friends with him, I'm sure it might be publicly, but uh, I think it's going to be pretty cheap from what I've seen, but he's going to do two like zoom workshops for people who want to sign up. I recommend it. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, should we switch gears into goals, Matt? Let's go to oh, our goals. Oh, boy. How'd you do? Uh, let's see. Goals here. Uh, let's see. You were trying to reckon- reorganize your magic. You had done that from last week. You pushed it to this week. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's <laughs> the thing. The floors have got to get redone over here. So um, they literally have to get the magic off of the floors before the floors are done. Everything's got to go, I think, within the next 24 hours. So so immediate goal. <laughs> immediate goal. Let's go, baby. I'm going to hit it this week. Okay. So you're pushing that. Let's, since that's got to be done in a day, what else do you got for le- the past a day from now? Uh, let's see. What do we got to do? What do we got to do? Honestly, I'm uh, – so I've got a bunch more – What's that? Promote the pet drive. Well, yeah, I was actually going to say, I actually have a bunch more press to do for that, um, which is is really important to me because it's such a good cause. Um, But, I mean, that's not really a goal. Right. Because uh, that's just something I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, No, no, that's it. That's it. I got it. It's the one about the the organizing the magic. Okay, fair enough. That's it. (laughs) You don't understand. I'm looking at my to-do list. I'm looking at my calendar. And uh, that really is the goal. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. There we go. Good, good, good. Uh, I was going to work on a bunch of stuff, magic books, office work. I've got a lot of office work done, uh, but I still have more to do because I've been focused on prepping the shows I have coming up. So I'm going to punt more office work to next week. Uh, And then two punts. I decided, though, uh, normally when I travel on the road, I like bring like a bunch of books to read and I never read them. So okay. my goal is to just bring one book and force myself to read the one book on the road. Okay. All that right. Way, Listen. It's not choice paralysis because I think that's what was happening as I was bringing right, too many options right. and then I wasn't doing any of it. Yep. Okay. Since you did like a punt and a real goal, I will <laughs> add a real goal to me under one condition. Sure. It will be a two-week goal. Okay, good. I like that. I feel like I'm very much behind on crafting a newsletter to go Mm. out to keep people up to speed on everything going on. 
And I feel like it's long overdue um, to the point where I might have some paralysis in terms of like what to include and what not to, because yeah. there are kind of a lot of key points to hit. Um, so newsletter. I like that. I want, goal. Uh, yeah. How do people sign up for your newsletter? Uh, good question. I would say mattfranco.com. There is a little button there that you can click to receive said newsletter. Um, yeah. That's great. And I, I, and I don't spam you. It's not like we're sending out things constantly or anything like that. In fact, it's probably just, uh, you know, once every couple of months or something. And now it's been even longer than that. I was going to say, considering that you're, this is your goal, it means you haven't done it in a while. So clearly you're not spamming people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is true, though. I yeah. never want to. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure, you know, I want to, um, <laughs> I want to, quality over quantity is sometimes an okay uh, motto. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, what do you got to plug other than obviously we know about the pet drive? Yeah. That, that's it. The Pet Drive, we're performing here in Vegas. We will have 2023 dates going on sale um, in the coming in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, the shows are going well. Come out and see it. Just want to clarify, this is you're donating pet supplies, uh, food, not pets themselves. You're not giving away you're pets. You're not giving away <laughs> pets. No, it's cool, though, because, you know, not everyone can foster animals or have <laughs> pets or yeah. based on their lifestyle or where they live or whatever, but... This is a chance to just walk in a pet store, and there's a there's a minimum of twenty bucks. But when's the last time anyone went into PetSmart and didn't spend twenty bucks? Um, mm -hmm. And then exactly. you know whatever items you get, just go right into that box, and uh, right like right there on the spot, they'll give you the voucher to uh, to come to the show. And and because it's a great cause, we actually do reserve really good seats for the people who participate in that. So anyway, come on out and you know do it that way or some other way but that only that opportunity is only now for uh through september the 11th i believe which i did not choose that date fair enough right i actually yeah. tried to change it on the spot today because like i realized it and i was like no that's not a good date i'm gonna say the 15th there you go <laughs> but i didn't to... i just went with mid-september instead that's good that's good that's vague enough yeah. <laughs> but i'm still trying to get them to change it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean at least someone wasn't thinking that as their halloween costume yeah <laughs> <laughs> What a loop in there. What a good tie-in. <laughs> um, what uh, I am going to be on the road. Um, I'm doing a bunch of colleges. So if you happen to be at one of these colleges, a student there, uh, if you're listening, uh, look for me. I'm going to be at Purdue University in Indiana. Then I go straight to Rhodes College in Memphis. And then I'm at Stony Brook University. And that's just this week. Uh, so those are uh, more private shows, again, for the students. Uh, but uh, I do have some public shows coming up as well. You can check me out at uh, the comics at Mohegan Sun with my friend Jim Spinato's magic show on the 28th. I believe that's Sunday. So you can get tickets uh through my link tree and uh or if you google it uh just on in my bio i have a link tree that have all my public dates as well as magic in a bottle uh the show run by david corsaro over at city winery here in new york city and that's on august 30th so a couple chances to see me live uh if you are in the uh new england and northeast area new york and connecticut uh, I'd love you to come out there. And then, of course, I've got uh, a bunch of um, holiday uh, shows are starting to fill in, uh, even though we're not even close to, you know, holiday season yet. But uh, you can book me for uh, private events uh, at ericdittleman.com. And there'll be some more announcements for some public shows, even in the, um, the Western Coast as well. Dude, so 
Busy. I, I, I'm busy. I totally forgot. I yes. uh, I got to send you a link for this, and we should also put the link somewhere for the Animal Foundation details. But um, I'm up for Best Casino Show in yes. the, uh, the USA Today uh, top 10 list or whatever. Fantastic. Um, this is maybe the third time or so uh, that, that we've been included on the list, which is really awesome. Um, so it's cool if people vote for that. It's just uh, people can vote every day from now till the end of it, and uh, it just takes a click. So we'll we'll include that link if uh, if you want to support it. I don't I don't know what awards like that really mean, um, but it's really cool to to be recognized on a, a national scale like that. So it, it's just a a thank you to to those that you know come and support. It's really really cool. So thank you. And if you win, it we know it just doesn't hurt, right? <laughs> like, it never hurt. No, never honestly, hurts. I'm honored yeah. to even just be included. Of I course, mean, of course. You know, it's it's really, really a neat thing. So uh, I appreciate it. And if, if you could find it, uh, your time to just take a second to click the vote button, um, that would be very, very much appreciated. It goes a long way for us. Absolutely. And we want to thank you for listening. And if you want to support our show as well, you can visit us at patreon.com slash mind over magic podcast, where you can get some benefits like uh, checking out our video vault and uh, and supporting the show. And uh, speaking of supporting a show, we want to do, give a huge thank you to our producers, uh, Dr. Bob Baker, James Dawson and Jesse Miller. Thank you so much. Uh, if you have questions for us, visit us at our website, mindovermagicpodcast.com, and you can shoot us an email there at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and at mindmagicpod is our socials. Anything else, Matt? No, this is uh, this has been a great episode. Thanks for taking the time to hang out and do it. Thanks to the listeners for joining us as well, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. This episode is now over. Thank you.